Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish con Salsa Podcast, the show for Spanish learners that love music, travel, and culture. Close your grammar textbooks, shut down the language apps, and open your ears to how Spanish is spoken in the real world. Let us show you how to go from beginner to bilingual. Here is your host, certified language coach, Tamara Mari. Hola, oyentes. Bienvenidos al episodio 110. Welcome to episode 110 of the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Latasha Mora from Tasha Teaches Spanish. Tasha obtained a BA in Spanish from Arkansas State University. After graduation, she lived in Spain, where she worked as an English teacher assistant. Upon returning to the U.S., she worked a series of jobs that involved using the Spanish language. She most recently worked as the health program coordinator for El Socolo Immigrant Resource Center and the Little Rock Mexican Consulate. Her company, Tasha Teaches Spanish, is a Spanish education service that makes up for where school systems fall short. She believes that a child shouldn't have to wait until junior high school to begin learning a foreign language. We talk about what qualifications you really need to work abroad. And spoiler alert, you don't need to pass any difficult exams to do it. We also talk about something really important, and that's after you get proficient in Spanish, how do you maintain that? So we talk a little bit about how she was able to do that after she returned to the United States after living and working abroad. There's so many lessons learned in this conversation. I know that you will enjoy it. I was inspired by her story and by her energy, and I know you will be too. So here's my conversation with Tasha Moore. Hola, Latasha. Bienvenida al podcast Learn Spanish con Salsa. Oh, gracias, Tamara. Hola, hola. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. So I know I came across your um, your company actually online. I was in a Facebook group, I think that we're both in, Melanated Multilinguals. And I was really inspired to see some of the things that you were doing with your business, which we'll talk about and get into later. But first, I want to ask you, a little bit just about you. So if you could introduce yourself and tell us where you're from and how you got interested in learning Spanish. All right. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Latasha Moore. I am from the wonderful little community of Falcon, Arkansas, that nobody knows exists because it's so tiny. Um, but it's a rural community in southwest Arkansas that I love very dearly. So I'm a country. I'm a woman. So a country woman at heart. I am 28 years old. I'm a wife, a mother and, and a business owner now. It was really a God fixed plan. I uh, got the tip or advice from my brother when I was a senior in high school to continue my studies in college, which I didn't think was even a big deal. Um, but he saw how necessary a foreign language acquisition was in, in our globally intertwined society. So I took his advice on a whim, uh, studied the first two years just for the minor. Really wasn't. I was somewhat serious, but I wasn't good. And then my mother and father, um, when I had an opportunity to graduate from college early because of finishing my coursework early, uh, I took my mother and father's advice to instead see if I could make that minor into a second major. And that's when I really started to grow. So tell me then, how did you really become passionate about, about becoming fluent in Spanish? Because I know a lot of people start out with learning the language and then when they get into it, they realize it's a little more difficult than they thought it would be or it's going to take a little bit more time than they thought. So what made you really keep going into the point that you, you really felt comfortable with speaking Spanish? 
That is a great question. And I won't say there's like any moment like, oh, I just really fell in love with the language or I really fell in love with la cultura. I don't have any of those types of stories. What first comes to mind, which I guess my teacher um, was also the department chair. She had a unique personality and uh, was a uh, sometimes aggressive woman, you know, in, in her wording or her ways. And she came in one day. I don't know what had just happened, you know, to her. <laughs> but she came in on a high one day. She was going off on all of this. You want me to get out the country? You need to see other things. It's more to life than this. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but as she, you know, passionately, that's a nice word too, passionately getting this off of her chest, I literally had that moment from the movie that was like, <laughs> light bulb went off angels coming out the sky lights the whole night and I said I'm out of here because living abroad had never crossed my mind now yes through the Spanish program at this, this university Arkansas State University go Wolves they annually offered a taste of abroad life you know a one month stay in Costa Rica so I did that that was a little taste but nothing after that taste in my mind said hey go and stay longer so, and after being uh, um, ripped apart by my <laughs> chair of the department, and not just me, it was everybody, I left that class and immediately went outside to call my, at the time, fiance and my mom. And I said, guys, I'm leaving the country. Wow. <laughs> and, so, of course, and so, of course, they were like, no, you know, what are you talking about? You ain't even know what program, what are you, how, why, you know, all the questions, of course, opposition. But And at the time, I didn't know. I didn't know. I don't remember her telling us like the specific programs but I just knew then I was I was taking her advice and, and leaving that's really when I got interested in the language and then of course living in Spain is where I started to fall in love and realize the, the uh, benefit another reason I even went is because I did not know what I wanted to do after I graduated I had no idea I knew I needed to do something with my life I had heard people talk about gap years which is more common in other places like uh, the UK um, but I understood that it was, you know, a nice idea to, to breathe a little bit before entering the adult world. And so at the time, I was also in the process of thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Etc. So I think that's why the it was an answer for me as well. Wow. So she lit that fire under you. That's really interesting. So tell me, how long was it after that aha moment that you had with the department chair to when you actually moved to Spain? And how long did you live there? So it didn't take long. Once once she went off on us, I think it was maybe like the semester of me graduating. I went on and applied. However, I found out I went on and applied to two of them. So the one of them is the, um, oh, it's a long name, but pretty much with both programs, you can be an assistant English teacher in Spain. And one of them was a government program. That's the one I did. And then there are other companies that pop up kind of allowing the same thing. So I applied for a, a company. I forget their name as well. But um, I had an interview with the, the private company. Had an interview with them. Thought it went pretty well and they didn't hire me. So I got nervous because this is, you know, a month or two before graduation. I'm like, I need answers. Uh, <laughs> so the, the Spanish government application and process was longer and more tedious and not as um, conversational. They didn't stay in touch with us much. So I definitely was unaware of what was going on. And I remember like the day after I graduated, we, my mother, my family and I went out to dinner with my mentor and her husband. And he was just making conversation. He said, so how you doing? Have you heard back from the program? <laughs> and I really got sad because I hadn't. And I felt, uh, you know, ridiculous having graduated and not having a plan. So maybe two or three weeks after graduation, I finally heard something back. And I stayed there for 
nine months. Wow. So how did you find out about that opportunity? Because I know a lot of people are thinking, you know, about study abroad programs, which you mentioned that your college had a study abroad program, which was like a month in Costa Rica, which, you know, is some time to really get exposure to the language, but it's not, you know, definitely not nine months in Spain. (laughs) So how did you how did you find that program in and the application process, you said it took a while to hear back. Like, what did you, what were the qualifications that you had to have to do that? Because I know there might be people listening that are thinking, like, it would be really nice to get a job abroad, but they've never done that before and they don't even know how to get the process started. So, what did you have to qualify to do to get the position and how did you find out about it? Okay, great question. I found out about the program from another teacher. So, it's called the Cultural Ambassador Program, North American Language and Cultural Assistance in Spain. But it's a government program and they solicit people not only from the U.S., anywhere that English is is a main language. So the U.S., Canada and um, the U.K. So they uh, solicit people from from those areas to to go over. And um, it's a very easy job. The title is like language assistant. You, You go to a school two, three days a week three hours a day and you go home and then you can explore and learn. So um, it's very, very easy to do. So were there any qualifications that you needed? Like what was the application process like? Did you have to test to a certain level of Spanish proficiency or were they just concerned with your English ability? English ability. Mostly that you had a degree from somewhere, that you were a native speaker. Honestly, most of the things just involved a lot of paperwork, government paperwork. You know, of course, getting your visa, getting your passport, things of that nature. That was the the holdup, but no major exam, um, nothing, nothing of that nature. And I don't even remember your Spanish fluency mattering because I, when I got over there, I met people who didn't speak Spanish in the program. You know, they weren't Spanish speakers, so they just did it for the, the thrill, you know, to, to enjoy and live life. So I don't remember um, the, your level of Spanish being a big deal either. Wow. Okay. So that that's interesting. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, probably think if they haven't worked abroad before that you have to like study and pass some type of language proficiency exam just to get a job abroad. But, you know, as you mentioned, like English is a pretty in demand language. So if you're a native English speaker, um, you can really use that to travel to many places because a lot of people want to learn English and they're, you know, really have a lot of active programs to teach English. So just having that skill is something that you can use. And as a side benefit, use that to sort of help you get exposure to Spanish um, in a Spanish speaking country. And then so after those uh, days that you were working at the school, did you then take that time to take classes on your own in Spanish or did you just sort of have immersion with the culture while you were there? Cultural immersion, definitely, because even though I had uh, gotten a degree in the language and then an internship, you know, it's nothing like being in the language surrounded by it. and You cannot escape. The immersion factor is, is how I grew in the language. So you were spending this time in Spain. So you had nine months there. You were working a few days a week as a language assistant and you had this sort of like you mentioned, like total immersion where you, you couldn't really escape because you had to sort of conduct your life in Spain for those nine months. So uh, during that time, was there a moment that you had similar to your aha moment when you realized you wanted to go live abroad? Uh, did you ever have a moment where you felt like, wow, I'm, I'm actually bilingual now. I'm not just sort of, you know, learning Spanish or trying to speak Spanish, but I actually speak Spanish fairly well and very fairly fluidly. Did you did you have a, a moment or a point in time where you realized that you had reached that point or was it just something that gradually happened over time where you started to just improve with the language? It gradually happened over time. For me, I was just living daily life and trying to survive. I wasn't thinking of the beauty of, of how I blossomed. Um, so it, it just 
happened over time. But I did realize the beauty of how I had lost so much. I returned to the U.S. That's when it hit. Like, oh, I, I really am doing well. When I would uh, meet Spanish speakers and do have a full conversation, um, not just the basics, right? Or um, when I applied for a bilingual job and was able to have a conversation with who they put me on the phone with to see if how I could speak, how well I could speak. That's when it hit me. Like, oh, I'm good. I'm I'm good at this. Once I returned to the U.S. Oh, that's interesting because I would think that while you're there, you know, kind of exposed to it every day, that you would be more aware. But like you said, right, you're just you're because you're totally immersed in the culture. You're just living your life day to day. You're not thinking about, you know, you're like, well, I'm, I need to get food right now. Like, how do I do that? You're not thinking about like, oh, can I conjugate an AR verb like in the preterite? Right? You're like, so it's like it's a different different mindset. Okay, so you said that when you came back to the U.S., that's when you really realized it. So. When, when you came back, what did you do with your Spanish? Because I know a lot of times people uh, fear that if you live abroad or you travel abroad, um, you can be really proficient with the language while you're there. But then when you come back home, you might lose some of that proficiency because you don't have as much practice with the language and you're no longer in that like survival mode where you need you need to use Spanish in day to day life. So uh, how were you able to maintain that when you when you came back? And did you notice any difference in your in your speaking ability as you were no longer living in that environment? Well, the expression, if you don't use it, you lose it, is true in this case. Um, so I knew coming back, I had to have a job that made me use the language. And that's why I specifically sought out bilingual physicians. And I ended up working as a bilingual secretary for a children's hospital for two years. So that helped me keep the language. Also, during that same time, I volunteered as an interpreter at a uh, free clinic. A student clinic, really, where the students were, were learning um, and how to be pharmacists, doctors and things of that nature. So they also allowed the interpreters to be volunteers so we could grow in our language ability. So those two experiences uh, sustained me um, in, in continuing the language. And after that, I was a Spanish high school Spanish teacher. I re most recently worked as the uh, health program coordinator for uh, our local Mexican consulate and immigrant resource center, El Zocalo. So having jobs that made me use the language is, is what kept it up for me. Now, that's a great strategy. I think that, you know, people don't always think of it that way, especially if they're not learning the language for a job, right? To get a job, uh, it might not be at the top of someone's mind that they could actually seek out these positions. And that's not only a way to find job opportunities, but also a way to maintain your language ability because you're, you have to use it in a real life setting. It's not like you're forcing yourself to, oh, I need to make a friend that speaks Spanish or I need to go find a language exchange partner so I can get my practice time in. But like, it's just a part of your life. So I think that's a brilliant strategy. And I think people usually think about it in reverse instead of thinking this is a way to make sure I stay immersed in the language. So that's really interesting that you are able to make that connection and to keep your, your language skills up, even though you're back living in basically an English uh, speaking environment. So then from there, tell me what, uh, what made you start your business? Because I know you also teach Spanish and you have clients that you're actually teaching Spanish to. So as a non-native speaker of Spanish, uh, how did you get over sort of this idea that you know, I think there's a bias in the language learning community that, oh, you have to talk to native speakers, like native speakers, you, you must, you know, only speak to them. <laughs> um, so how did you kind of overcome that bias towards, you know, having a native Spanish speaker as a teacher and starting your own business um, and actually teaching Spanish to others? 
Okay. Okay. So that, that's, that's full of a lot of goodies. Let me try <laughs> to unpack it. Um, number one, um, the concern people may have of not talking to a native speaker. One thing I learned in my study, native Spanish is varied. A person who's in Puerto Rico is going to talk a lot different from somebody's from Bolivia, right? La República Dominicana, uh, uh, Buenos Aires, etc. Right? So there's a lot of variety even in native Spanish. And so I, I, within myself, I understood that early. And so with others, I try to mention that as well. Like I, maybe you're looking for this one certain thing, but Spanish is so varied. And on top of it being different by region, even within the region, it's different based on your social class, your economic class. Are you how close are you to the indigenous community in that Spanish-speaking country? So my point is, there's native Spanish, but it's not just one thing. So however you speak is how you speak. The biggest thing is, are you saying words that exist? <laughs> are you pronouncing them to the best of your ability? Are you conjugating, you know, the con- verb conjugations, that's across the board, right? But the, the idea of native speaker, what's, well, what is a native speaker? What country? What within the country? What city? What region? What you know? Some questions behind that. Um. So I like. Uh, I know. I think about that now, and, and I want others to kind of consider the same. But how did I get over that? I, I. It wasn't a concern for me on my, me not being a native speaker. I just knew I could speak. And a, but a positive point to that was one thing I thought about. Um. There's a benefit that I'm not a native speaker because I understand the difficulty it takes to learn it. Right. And I, I've developed my own little uh, systems and tricks and, and tips on how to remember a word. Well, that sounds like this in Spanish, doesn't it? Um, excuse me, in English. This Spanish word sounds like this English word. Correct. So think about that. It, it rhymes a little bit. Right. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm maybe better suited to assist someone who's wanting to learn the language because I've been exactly where you've been. It's hard to teach somebody a language you already, you natively speak, because you don't even think about what's difficult or, or quote unquote strange. I don't like the word strange, but difficult or different. You don't think about it because it's your language. But when something's not your language and you went through the, the muck and miry clay to learn it, then when you're teaching someone else, you can identify with them. Yeah, that, is, that word is a little different in it. I know. I know. But you got it. Think about this tip. Um, so I think that that was that's what makes me an asset that I'm not a native speaker. Yeah. You know, and. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I've noticed that as well, that, you know, when you ask a native speaker, you know, well, why do you say this or or can you break this down for me? They might just say, well, I don't know, but that's just how you say it. Right. <laughs> because think about it. If, if someone was to ask you in English, like, OK, well, well, how what is the verb to be an irregular verb? You would go, I have no idea. Um, I just know he went, you went, she went, they went. I don't, I'm not going to be able to help you with that. So I think that. That's it. That's it. Yeah, well, that is an advantage, right? As a non-native speaker. And, and and with the same thing with me as well. I mean, I didn't grow up speaking Spanish and I learned it later, but I used the way that I learned, which was the music to, to help other people connect with the culture that way. And you also made a great point about um, native speakers being from so many different places. I think there's this real misconception, and even in, in more the academic community of language learning, that Spanish is this language that's pretty standard, unlike uh, other languages that have a lot more dialects, a lot more differentiation. But I don't think they have a full appreciation for those cultural differences and those regional differences. Because as you mentioned, like Spanish del Caribe, like Puerto Rico, Cuba, 
they have a totally different set of words and it's not just an accent or the way they talk it's because uh, like you, you alluded to the indigenous cultures and also the African cultures that came and sort of mixed with the Spaniards that also came who aren't native to those areas so the, the Spanish is spoken there is a is a mishmash of like native languages of African languages and of Spanish from the southern region of Spain in particular not even all of Spain because quite as kept as you know because you lived there for nine months all of Spain doesn't speak Castellano like Spanish right so there are so many differences but I think as a learner especially when you're starting out you're not really aware of that you just kind of go by what some blog you read said like oh I need to go talk to a native speaker and you don't really know the nuances in the beginning so I think it's um, great that you mentioned that and and what you're doing I think is also admirable of just kind of keeping yourself engaged in the culture even though you're no longer living in Spain so from all of that then tell me how you started your company and what what types of things that you do to help uh, other people learn Spanish I definitely never thought I'm going to be an entrepreneur especially I'm going to be an entrepreneur and start my own business in Spanish you know another gothic plan I was at home with my son well he was in my stomach at the time so I'm pregnant just been laid off from the job as a teacher because they needed to downsize. They were expecting fewer students in the coming year. So um, at home, uh, my uh, fiance at the time, we're, you know, we're in the house together, etc. And I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. So one day, the divine thought came. Tasha, put on Facebook that you teach or, or tutor. You'll tutor Spanish. Just if you need some Spanish help, call me. And the carnal me, the, the Tasha me said, Psh, who cares? Well, you know, ha ha. Ooh, you're, you're so special. You're Tudor Spanish. Wow. You're great. You know, but I listened and I typed it and I got like 200 likes. Matter of fact, I think I even went on Canva. If it, those of you listening, that's a site where you can, you, it's for, it's free, but you can pay for it to get a little better quality. Um, you can make flyers, posts, all kinds of things now, um, but for advertisements. So I made a very ugly flyer, very ugly, horrendous. Um, I didn't have as great, great of skills as I do now. Cause now I just say, Hey, can just use a Canva template. Back then I was trying to do it on my own. No, just use the template, Tasha. Made a very ugly flyer, put it up. Uh, and it got 200 likes, a lot of messages and calls from people who, you know, knew my number personally. And I was blown away. Like, wow, this is a thing people care, you know, especially in Arkansas, because I know, um, um, you're, you're in Maryland, as you mentioned. Um, and, and I imagine there's a lot of diversity there. That's an assumption never been. But in Arkansas, mm, there is diversity to an extent, but still in small numbers. So we have, you know, mostly uh, European-Americans. Then after that, African-Americans. But I actually think our Latino population is a little more than our African-American population. But then we may have some people here, you know, from France. Just little bits, tidbits here and there. But, you know, you can go an hour and not see anybody that is of a different culture. Is, is what I'm trying to say. It's not a daily thing to be around other cultures. So there is a big deficit here, a big deficiency of foreign language education or foreign language programs other than, you know, college and, and public schools. So I guess that's what made um, what I did so appealing. But that started me out. I got one client from that one post. And then through word of mouth, uh, everybody else saw the post. Some people would tell other folks. So I got a couple clients and I was like, look at me. But I still didn't even think it was going to be permanent. I honestly did not. My husband, now husband, was telling me, you know, Tasha, I think you really got something here. And I'm like, ah, I'm just doing this to get through my pregnancy and, and being home with my son for the first year. Yeah, it'll, it'll pass, you know. But I did attempt to get some jobs uh, after having him and it just wasn't working out. So, <laughs> so I did end up deciding to pursue this more seriously. And But just recently have started doing it full time, actually. 
Wow, that that's a powerful story. I love that it's something you stumbled into. I think、uh, I think a lot of people assume when they see someone have success that it was like overnight or it was something they had this master plan and they had it all figured out before they got started.、Uh, but I like the saying that you know anything that's worth doing well is worth doing badly. So, like you mentioned, you started with like I haven't heard that before. Okay, I need to write that. Yeah,、down. that's a, it's like a, it's an entrepreneurial type type of spirit thing, right? Because it's like when you start out, it's always going to be ugly, right? Like your first flyer, like I'm sure you cringe at it today because you've learned and you've grown since then. So anything that's worth doing, you've got to start. Just like with speaking Spanish, you're not going to have perfect pronunciation, intonation in the beginning, perfect vocabulary, but you got to start somewhere. So I love that you just sort of. Really went on that journey, like you, the same way you did with the language that you've approached your business in the same way. So you said that you you didn't think it was going to be full time, but you just recently、uh, have started doing your business as a full time thing.、Uh, so what made you be able to make that switch from just it being more of like a side hustle to something that you could actually say I'm a full time entrepreneur?、Uh, increase in clientele, which honestly happened in 2019. And at the time, I was going to my, get my master's、uh, in in Spanish, so I, I was too busy. I had the master's program, I had the part time job for the Immigrant Resource Center, being a mom, being a wife, right? And、um, so the few I even set like limits, like I'm only taking two clients a day.、Um, so I was turning down a lot of business, a lot of business, and it was hurting my feelings. Like you know, when I wanted clients, when I was more available, where were you all? But then I'm you know a little trapped by my schedule, and here everybody comes. So. I had even more interest in 2019, but in 2020, I won a competition called the Big Pitch here in Arkansas, and so that gave me some more traction. And、um, oh, COVID! You know, when COVID hit, schools were closed, so parents wanted things for their children to do, or more people, even more adults, were at home, right, to learn something. So in 2020, I started seeing more traction for different reasons. But I, I started, and because of that, I said, okay, I think this is something I can do full time. I can make. You know, just as much money, if if not more, than I was already making、um, with this, with this increased、um, boost in interest. The name of my business is Tasha Teaches Spanish. I know how creative、uh, <laughs> Tasha Teaches Spanish. Website TashaTeachesSpanish dot com.、Uh, Facebook Tasha Teaches Spanish. Instagram. Guess what? Tasha dot Teaches dot Spanish. So you know, on all platforms, I'm mostly a Facebook girl. Sorry if you're younger and you think Facebook's for old people, but that's where you can find me. And、uh, through, through the website, you know, you can still message me as well.、Um, I like text messages or any kind of message. I like to go back and read something. So text me, message me. I think that's it. Yeah.、Uh, so now this is my favorite part of the interview. Vamos a cambiar el español. I'm going to do what I call the quick fire round. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions. In español, for you to answer off the top of your head. Okay, so lista. I know. Tengo, tengo miedo. <laughs> no tengas miedo. Está bien. No tengas miedo. <laughs> Entonces, Tasha, ¿cuál es tu canción favorita en español? Pronto llegará el día de mi suerte. Sé que antes de mi muerte, seguro que mi suerte cambiará. Héctor Lavó. De Puerto Rico. Wow, tenemos un cantante. No sabía. <laughs> Tú puedes cantar y yo no. <laughs> Creo que te, tenemos que cambiar, ¿no? Tú tienes que、eh, tener Spanish con salsa. Yo voy a tener、uh, Tamara teach Spanish porque <laughs> yo no puedo cantar. <laughs> 
pues está bien porque tú, tu nombre empieza con T. Entonces, Exacto. es casi igual. Nadie va a saber que, que hay un cambio, ¿no? <ríe> Qué bueno. Esa canción también me encanta, me encanta esa canción porque es un... El mensaje de, de esa canción es como... Sí, algún día yo voy a tener suerte. Yo sé que las cosas están muy mal ahora, pero en el futuro yo sé, en, en mi alma, ¿no? Yo sé que voy a tener suerte en el futuro. Es un, una muy buena canción. Y yo voy a poner en las notas de este episodio para todos ustedes un, un enlace a esa canción, porque es un, una canción bien bonita. Ok, entonces, Tasha, ¿tienes una palabra de español que no tenemos en inglés o simplemente una palabra que te gusta. Hay una palabra, tienes una palabra favorita de español. Azúcar. No. <risa> Como Celia. <risa> y pero, pero no, esa es una broma porque casi nunca uso esta palabra. No, no, creo que no. <risa> no tengo, no tengo una palabra o frase favorita. No. <risa> y si pudieras trabajar en cualquier país. ¿Cuál sería? Ahora tengo más interés ir a Sudamérica. Antes mi, mi idea solo era el Car Caribe. Y sí, uh, quiero ir ahí también, pero um, debido a mis uh, estudios recientes, recientes um, tengo más interés en, en ir a um, Argentina, Perú, Bolivia, etcétera. Um, para, para ver sus, sus culturas. Um, eh, en mi corazón, inicialmente, <ríe> solo quería ir a donde hay una presencia muy grande de, de los africanos. Y eh, el primer pensamiento es el Caribe, ¿no? Pero um, he aprendido que hay mucha diversidad y hay afro-africanos af eh, en, en otros países uh, también. Entonces, um, sí, tengo interés en, en, en ir a Sudamérica uh, también, pero adicionalmente con el, el Caribe. Pero, perdón, no es un país específico, eh, un, un región. Sí, yo también tengo ganas de, de trabajar, de, de viajar más, pero yo no puedo ahora <ríe> por causa de, de la cuarentena, ¿no? Sí, <ríe> Pero sí, sí tengo ganas de, sí. de viajar otra vez también. Y entonces, la última pregunta que tengo es, si no tuvieras que trabajar, ¿qué harías con el tiempo adicional? ¿Tengo dinero suficiente o no, no tengo trabajo ni dinero? <risa> Buena pregunta. Sí, sí, <risa> eh, sí. No sé, supongo que tú tienes todo el dinero que, que, que necesitas. Ok, pues viajar. Viajar a, a otra vez, Sudamérica, el Caribe... Uh, más o menos todo de Latinoamérica eh, idealmente eh, mi, mi hijo sería conmigo porque quiero, mi esposo también pero si él no, no puede él no puede, él tiene que trabajar ok, adiós pero <risa> <risa> para mí es muy importante abrir los ojos de mi hijo uh, temprano durante su juventud por eso eh, con, es, con esa idea eh, el mundo puede ser su su, su escuela en lugar de un edificio entonces eh, para mí este es eh, una situación ideal ah y I'd like to have one more question uh, <laughs> una otra pregunta ¿cuál fue 
el error más gracioso que has cometido con español? Ok, eso es fácil. Cuando yo estaba en España, empecé a un, un blog, más o menos, y creo que era mi primera entrevista. Yo hablé con una mujer de la escuela donde yo eh, trabajaba y también ah, hoy en día es un poco difícil recordar, pero en este momento <ríe> ah, era difícil recordar la diferencia entre cansar y cazar. Ah, sí. Cansar to be well, tired, cazar to be married. Entonces, durante la entrevista ella dice eh, dijo, eh, soy, soy cansada, o so, soy casada, soy casada. Y yo pensé, ella dijo, soy o es, eh, cansada, y inmediatamente yo uh, reí. Cuando yo vi el video, la entrevista, parece muy raro, porque obviamente de la cara de la mujer, ella no, no, no ha, ha dicho algo diferente, algo cómico, <risa> pero para alguna razón Tasha está sonriendo reyendo, ¿por qué? You know, eh, para mí, yo, yo sabía que este momento parecía raro al espectador entonces es, es, es un ejemplo sí, y es, es, una, es una cosa que es muy, muy diferente ¿no? porque en inglés es como to get married no es lo mismo que I'm tired pero no sé, depende de, depende de la pareja, ¿no? <risa> Pero en español es muy cerca, ¿no? Como, ah, estoy cansada, estoy casada. Es muy, muy fácil cometer ese error. <risa> Entonces, gracias, Tasha. Thank you for participating in our quick fire round. And thank you for joining me for the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast. This has been great. I appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tasha. And don't forget to check out our show notes page for links to everything we talked about in this episode, including the program that Tasha mentioned. So if you're interested in possibly working in Spain, uh, we'll have all that information on our show notes page. So go to LearnSpanishConSalsa.com slash 110. That's LearnSpanishConSalsa.com slash 110 for episode 110. Uh, and you can access the show notes for this episode. As always, I hope that something you heard today has helped you go one step closer from Spanish beginner to bilingual. Hasta la próxima. Thank you for listening to the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast at LearnSpanishConSalsa.com. 